everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I, I'm your glorious host, glorious leader, <coughs> Logan Blackman. We are here, we're live from Cedar Falls, Iowa. It's 12.08 right now on the beautiful campus of the University of Northern Iowa here in the basement of Mocker Union. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, let's go over the daily or thrice weekly weather forecast brought to you by nobody because we have no sponsors here. Right now in Cedar Falls, it's mostly cloudy with 29 degrees being the temperature. There's a 10% chance of snow. Wind coming out of the north-northwest at 16 miles an hour. Feels like 18 and the air quality is good, which is always a positive thing. Tomorrow... It's going to be 32 degrees for a high, 17 for a low, and for today, 16 will be the low. Today, the high is supposed to be 30, which will get around 1 o'clock. Let's say 1 o'clock today. So, and I would disagree that it feels like 16 or 18 or whatever I said. I don't even remember. I think it feels a little bit warmer than that, and at least to me it does. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. But we are here, we are live here in Cedar Falls, Iowa, doing what we do every single, every other day here in Cedar Falls, Iowa, the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. Hope you enjoy the show today, so let's go over what we are going to discuss today. So towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about the NFL. We didn't get to this on Monday. We're going to go over destinations, top five destinations for all of the draft quarterback prospects, all of the quarterback, well, not not all of them, the top five, according to me, <coughs> quarterback prospects. So we got the likes of Burrow, Tua, uh, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason in this list. We don't have the likes of Jalen Hurts, Jake Fromm, Nate Stanley. We don't have those guys in this list, but we could talk about them maybe on Friday. And we also got free agent quarterback acquisition, possible trades of where we think they're going to go. We got some big news coming to the NFL around a player that was expected by most people to be traded. But now he's been basically announced that he's staying for the foreseeable future of this franchise. We also got to get to some college basketball as we do every single show because we're in we're getting towards the end of the college basketball regular season. So it's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about in regards to college Basketball. We also got some boxing stuff I want to talk about today that I have to touch on towards the end of the show as well. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We got an XFL birthday today, so we'll just get off of that. PJ Walker, quarterback of the Houston Roughnecks. Happy birthday. Good sir. Runaway MVP so far this season is PJ Walker, and today he turns 25 years old. So good job, PJ. You're <laughs> 25 now. But, yeah, runaway MVP. Again, college basketball, NFL, all of the great stuff. But I want to start off on this because I saw it on Twitter, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was Monday after the show, I don't remember when it was. But so another thing came out of the the Houston Astros camp, okay? So in the World Series, in the 2017 World Series, the Houston Astros played the L.A. Dodgers. With one of the best pitchers in all baseball, Clayton Kershaw, throws some of the nastiest stuff in the league. And yes, he wasn't at his brilliant best as he had been before. He was a, He's a three-time Cy Young winner last time in 14. Uh, he won the NL MVP in 2014 as well, but he's still 
a dominating pitcher, a lot, a very feared pitcher in baseball, even though he is not what he used to be. In 2017, he was named the, he won the Warren Spahn Award for best left-handed pitcher in baseball. So, in in the National League, he won. He was the leader in adjusted ERA, ERA leader. Uh, what else did he win? Strikeout to walk ratio, uh, wins champion in 2017. So he was like Kershaw. We all know who Clayton Kershaw is now. The joke and meme is that he can't play in the playoffs, but he is a very, very talented pitcher. So there was a report that came out Monday, Monday night, and I'll just let yeah, I'll just I'll just play this little video clip right here for you talking about the Houston Astros taking on Kershaw in the twenty seventeen World Series. Now looking back with the knowledge we have that in fact the Astros were using a sign-stealing scheme in the postseason, boy, deep in its soul, that's got to hurt to know that that game was not played on a level playing field. And it's interesting, when I went back and looked at this game, and again, you're looking at it in hindsight with more knowledge we have now than we had then. Kershaw threw 51 sliders and curveballs that day and got zero Swings and misses on them. Yeah, that alone will make you start thinking that something was up. Well, that, Tom, and, and, you know, you're talking about him paying the biggest price. This guy has been ridiculed for his lack of production in the postseason. You have to look at him differently. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, if that game is played in a level playing field and he is the MVP, you know, you don't hear any more about can this guy win the big game. Now looking That's what we were just talking about. Like the joke and meme is that Kershaw can't do anything in the playoffs, can't do anything in the postseason. And then you hear that. That's one of the craziest things I've heard out of this whole situation. Is fifty one sliders, fifty one curveballs, not a single swing and miss. Now again, like Tom Verducci said, that it is you look back at it. Now, because you got a lot more information than you did back then. Back then, you're just like, wow, this team's laying off some very good pitches. They must have practiced for this. They know what Kershaw likes to throw, so they're ready for it. But then you look at it now, three years in the future, and you're like, wow. How did we not suspect this sooner? And then you got the video that we played last week with Carlos Correa saying, if you don't know the information, don't talk, and then add it in with a clip of Manfred saying they were cheating in the 2017 playoffs. That further proves it. So anything that the Astros players say in regards to the 2017 playoffs doesn't count anymore. They get no say in what happened there because they're obviously lying about everything. And I hate that Manfred is just completely looking past 2019 because they, they were telling us the truth about 2017, 2018. Why would they lie us about 2019? Look into it more in 2019 because they're probably it's the buzzer thing. I am cl- like 99.9 and however many nines you want to add, sure, percent sure that they use buzzers. And the tattoo thing, Carlos Correa, if anyone needs to shut their mouth, it's you. And I'm glad that you're not saying anything more because you dug a f- even deeper hole than there already was for the Houston Astros. First off, you said you weren't cheating the 2017 playoffs. That came out to be false, completely false. And then, 
Jose Altuve said he didn't want to rip his jersey off because he's modest and his wife doesn't want to see him with his shirt off in public or whatever. Then you add in he had a bad tattoo. That is easily fact-checkable. We can take off his shirt and see his tattoo. But why did that never get brought up? It is not that bad of a tattoo that you have to, A, tell your teammates not to rip your jersey off, and also run to the locker room, put on a new shirt, and do an interview. No tattoo is that bad unless it's extremely offensive or something sexual. Like, it's nothing... There's nothing that could be, and apparently, according to some players, after Korea, Korea decided to go, yeah, he had a bad tattoo, now everyone's got to start following suit and go, oh, crap, now we got to keep this story straight. So someone said it was his wife's name. So a dude wrote a name, and it was that bad that you were not wanting anybody to see it. Wow. That's dumb. That is... That makes zero sense. Man, my they spelled my wife's name weird, so I don't want anybody to see this tattoo. The viewing public do not really... I don't know who his wife is. I don't know if a lot of people know who Jose Altuve's wife is. I don't know how to spell her name. I don't even know her name. So if I saw that tattoo, I wouldn't think twice of it and go like, oh yeah, they spelled that wrong. It's not like we're the Millers when he says no regrets when he spells it wrong. And it's not like it was an entire chess piece like that. It was like a, on his collarbone or something. So no one would have noticed it. This Astros team in Manfred with the, oh, they, were, they told us the truth about these first two years. Why would they lie to us about 2019? Because they were doing worse stuff in 2019 than they were in 2017-2018. So it would be nice to actually get some players suspended, take a World Series away, because no one's ever going to honor it, ever. No one in their right mind is going to go like, yep, that 2017 Astros, man, one of the greatest teams ever. No. No one is ever going to do that anymore. So whether you take it away or not, no one's going to respect that championship team anymore. I think it's really funny. I think I saw seven Astros players have already been thrown at in spring training. Beautiful. Love that. Keep it going, boys. Now, I'm not about uh, resorting to physical violence in sports that don't involve, like, actually throwing punches at each other, like boxing or MMA or whatever. But sometimes, like Alex Bregman said, the league officiates itself. So when you do something stupid, next time you go to the plate, you best be expecting to get beaned. I'm all for that. That's my favorite unwritten rule too, Alex. Man, I'm glad we're on the same page here. Man, <laughs> that is one of the dumbest. This whole situation is one of the dumbest situations I have ever seen in sports. It is the worst scandal in all of sports. As a lot of players have said, it's worse than steroids because at least with steroids, you have to hit the ball. There's players that took steroids that still sucked at baseball. There are not there are very few players that when they knew what pitch is coming and what the location is, that they aren't pretty good, at least. Like you'd expect them to hit the ball a fair few times if you knew where it was coming. Steroids, if they hit it, sick. They're probably gonna smash it out of the ballpark. If they don't, 
It's a swing and miss. But they don't know where the pitch is at all. The Astros players all knew what pitches were coming. The players should be suspended. The pitchers who throw at these players should not be suspended and or fined. The championship trophy should be taken away. The AL pennant should be taken away. That whole 2017 should be wiped off the face of the earth. You see this in sports quite a bit. It's not like this would be a first time that this has ever happened where a championship or a a, what is it, a semifinal appearance doesn't get wiped away. It's happened in Michigan. It's happened to USC. Pretty sure it's happened in Miami. It needs to happen with the Astros. Needs to. Man City, Manchester City, for all you uh, casuals out there, stands for Manchester City. They're a team over in England in the Premier League. They got suspended for Europe from two years. That's how you properly discipline a team. You don't go, well, if these other players are mean to these players, they're getting in trouble, not the players that cheated. Yeah, I like that. I li- I'm all for that. That's what I would do. That I would agree with that, yeah. Perf- sound, sound punishment. No punishment is the best punishment. That way they have to think about what they did every single time they step into the plate. Man, you think about what you've done. That's basically what this punishment is. They're not really doing anything to them. They're still going out and playing. They're still getting paid. And the people that are mean to them now get suspended. So just think about that. Every time a pitcher gets suspended, it's your fault. Just think about that. So stupid. I hate the Astros. Man, I used to like the Astros because I've said this on the show before. When the Cubs were really bad growing up, they were never last in the division. You know why? Because the Houston Astros were in last. The Cubs might have 62 wins on the season. The Astros would be sitting right behind them with 57. This is before, if if you didn't know, the Astros used to play in the NL Central. They were an NL team and then moved to the AL in like 2015 or something like that. So I liked the Astros. Because I was like, man, you guys are the only thing keeping the Cubs out of last place. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. So when they moved over to the AL, I I always wanted to see an Astros-Cubs World Series. Always wanted to see it. Because for most of my childhood, the Cubs and Astros were the two bottom feeders of the the NL Central. Usually went like Cardinals at the top, then Reds, uh, then the Brewers, Pirates, Cubs, Astros. That was pretty much what it went. Reds and Brewers were kind of flip-flop around because you had Ryan Braun in his prime when he was taking steroids and stuff like that. So you had a good Brewers team. The Reds had prime Joey Botto, Brandon Phillips, those guys. The Cardinals just had everybody. Cardinals were winning World Series championships. The Pirates were just average. Cubs and Do- Cubs and Astros sucked. So I liked the Astros. I do not like the Astros anymore. I don't think there's a single person, uh, well, a single, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A single, I don't really know what I want to say here. Knowledgeable, per- that's not even the right word, but whatever. A single knowledgeable person that likes the Houston Astros. You cannot look at that team and go, yep, they are my favorite team. I love this team. Man, 
And we all did. Everyone liked the players. Everyone liked El Tuve, the little guy that's just dominating in baseball right now. Alex Bregman seems like a really nice guy. Not anymore. And I said this when we started talking about it a little, like, last week or whatever. You guys are lucky that you play the Yankees the second-to-last series of the year. Because if they go into the game, Yankees up, like, what? Let's say 7-3 in the ninth inning. In comes a roll this Chapman against Jose Altuve. There is no doubt in my mind, a 109-mile-an-hour fastball is coming right at the head of Jose Altuve. No doubt in my mind. Dude did a walk-off home run to send the Astros to the World Series against the Roldis Chapman. So he's going to get pissed. The Yankees are probably the most pissed. The, the Yankees and the, the Astros, the, uh, Yankees and Dodgers are the two most pissed teams in baseball, but the I don't think the Astros and Dodgers play this year. So the Yankees are going to have to take out their frustration and the Dodgers' frustrations out on the Houston Astros. Take the series away. Take the pennant away. Suspend players. Don't suspend the pitchers. That's how you properly handle this whole situation. Because the way MLB is handling it now is ridiculous. It's really stupid. It pisses me off. It makes me extremely mad. My name's Logan, and I'm mad. Frustrating. Frustrating. They they go unpunished. The Ast- the Dodgers and I mean not the Dodgers the Astros continue to go unpunished. And it was kind of funny the other day. I did I forgot to touch on this earlier. At spring training, fans were screaming at Jose Altuve to take off his jersey and show off his tattoo, which he didn't do because you know why? He doesn't have a tattoo there. And now he's gonna have to go out and get one. And it have to be a terrible tattoo so he can show him how bad the tattoo is. Because you know why? Because he doesn't have a tattoo. Stupid. Carlos Correa, dumbest player in the MLB. Don't like anybody on the Astros anymore. Don't like the team. Don't like the colors. Don't like the logo. Hate the stadium. Hate the train. Actually, I like the train in the stadium. So you guys, I I have no, I no, I have no beef with the train. Train's cool. But yeah, it's the. <laughs> Wow. That's that's all I got to say. With the Kershaw thing, that makes it even worse. Like, it makes it so much more obvious. Because we didn't notice at the time. But now, look, knowing what we know now, it's ridiculous to think about. He threw 51 sliders and curveballs and got zero swings and misses. Jeez. But yes, punish the pitchers for throwing at these poor Astros players. You got to protect, protect the Astros. Protect the Houston Astros. Jeez. Makes me mad. Makes makes me upset. Well, yeah. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back, talk about some college basketball. Iowa and Iowa State were both in action last night. We'll talk about those games. One of them coming away with a victory. You and I, their men's team plays tonight against Evansville. So we'll preview that game and more coming up right after this break.
To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. You're tuned to 94.5 KULTLP. to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT Everything. You and I, this is your mid-first hour reminder. I guess you I guess you could call it that. Uh, to go follow the Logan Blackman Show accounts on social media, the Logan Blackman Show on Twitter. The account is at the underscore LB underscore show. Go follow the podcast account, I guess. You don't really need to, but... At the underscore LB underscore podcast. That's all retweeted on the Logan Blackman Show account, so you don't really need to follow it. Go follow my personal Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman. It used to be Thundersnow811, so I'm glad I got, glad I scored a, a pretty common Twitter name, at least I would have thought at the time, but hey, scored it. And yeah, we've been, we're smooth sailing now with no more Thundersnow811, which was my middle school. Twitter account. Go follow the Logan Blackman Show on Instagram. Search Logan Blackman Show in the search bar. Should pop up. Go like the Facebook page as well. Post some stuff on there. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you really want to. If you don't have to. I'm just post stupid videos on there. I post a couple opinion videos every now and again. But, you know what? Right now, just stay focused on the Spotify account, which is where the Logan Blackman Show can be listened to after every single show. So search the Logan Blackman Show on Spotify, and it should pop up. We got three episodes up right now. Last Wednesday, Friday, and Monday, this last Monday, are all up on Spotify. So go listen to that. The SoundCloud is still technically a thing. So if you want to listen to older shows, like Dating Back to October and stuff, you can still go listen to SoundCloud because stuff will still be on there. But I just won't keep updating it regularly like I did in the past. We're going to be focusing all of that on Spotify. So go follow the Spotify account. Search the Logan Blackman show in the search bar and it should pop up. So yeah. I just saw this on Instagram before we came back to the show. But uh, the name Astros has been banned in Philadelphia for Little League teams. Or Pen- Pennsylvania. <laughs> Not just Philadelphia. The entire state of Pennsylvania. So, yeah, there's that. So, that's – see, Pennsylvania's taking the correct steps. You should just eliminate the Astros from ever existing. <laughs> that would be interesting. Get rid of the Astros altogether. Forget getting rid of the titles and uh, pennants and all that stuff. Just get rid of the team. Just just, just do it. Just might as well. Yeah, <laughs> might as well. That's, that's how you solve it. 
But yeah, I would I would do the same thing. I wouldn't let my teams be called the Astros. I wouldn't want my team name to be the Astros if I'm a little league coach. Yeah, I would get that would be banned where I'm from as well for little league teams. I was on the Orioles and Twins when I was in little league baseball, and none of those teams they don't they ain't cheating. Orioles are just bad. Twins are pretty fun to watch though. But we're not we're done talking about baseball for the time being. We got to talk about some college basketball. And again, there were some matchups going on in the state of Iowa last night. Between Iowa taking on Michigan State and Iowa State taking on TCU with one of those teams coming away with wins. And we'll start off with the losing team. If you did not know, the losing team was, sadly, the Iowa Hawkeyes who dropped to 10-7 and in conference play. First time they played Michigan State when they are ranked above them since 2006. So it was interesting. There was someone on Twitter, Cyclone Larry on Twitter, tweeted out, the Hawkeyes are 0-6 or 0-7 or whatever when they've had a Hoy- when the opposing teams had a Hoyberg-, Hoyberg on the bench when they played them on the road. And that extends one more game because Jack Hoyberg, son of Nebraska coach Fred Hoyberg, former Iowa State and Chicago Bulls head coach, is on Michigan State. So Iowa lost 78-70. to They were up 33-27 to at halftime, but Michigan State scored 51 points in the second half to win the game for Iowa. In this game, Luka Garza getting 20 points in the game with nine rebounds and three assists. Did shoot only eight of 21 from the field, went 0-5 from three. Ryan Creener had 18 points in the game, and Connor McCaffrey had 11 and seven assists as well. Wieskamp has been struggling as of late shooting the ball for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Went one of eight in this game, 0-5 from three, for only four points for the Hawkeyes small forward shooting guard, whatever position you want to label him as. But Luka Garza in this game has nine... Iowa's Luka Garza has his ninth straight 20-point game against AP Top 25 competition. According to Elias Sports, that is the longest streak of any player in the last 15 years. Craziness. For those of you who don't think Luka Garza deserves to be the National Player of the Year, I, I, I think that's pretty ridiculous at this point. I think... He should easily be the, t- the number one player of the year. Even the legendary Dick Vitale also says Luka Garza should be the player of the year, stating Garza has been a force night in and night out. Scoring, rebounding, defending, he can score from the outside too, not against Michigan State, but normally he can. How about 12 straight games of scoring 20 points or more? Garza is averaging just under a double-double each night, 27, 23.7 points per game, 9.6 rebounds a game while shooting 55.8% from the floor. He's even better in Big Ten play, scoring 26.6 points per game. That's That conference is the best conference in America and will likely put at least nine teams in the big dance. Garza scored 44 and 40 and 34 against Michigan and 34 against Penn State. He deserves the big prize, baby. I can't do a Dick Vitale voice. I can't. I, it's impossible for me. One of the uh, person I used to work with, the Iowa Cubs, named Zach. Really cool dude. He could do a Dick Vitale impersonation. I cannot do that. That is something that I cannot do. <laughs> I cannot. I can do Arnold, but that's about it. And, uh, Shaggy. Yeah. I can do Shaggy and Arnold. That's about it. Other than that, nah. I can do some some of our friends' voices, but no. Dick Vitale is hard for me to do, but you know what? He thinks Luka Garza is the number one player in the nation, and I stand by Dick Vitale in that. Also players that you can consider in that, Miles Powell from Seton Hall, 
Abby Toppin from Dayton, Peyton Pritchard from Oregon, Marcus Howard, who I have as the number two person in this race, uh, he has at number five, and Devin Dotson from Kansas is number six. But yes, Luca Garza, in my opinion, is the best player in all of college basketball. And I think he deserves to walk away with the word, especially after another 20-point performance. And yes, he did struggle shooting the ball from the field in this game, 8 of 21, as I said earlier. But let's not distract you from the fact that he is still the best player in college basketball. And the Hawks, in the game, struggled shooting from the field. Their two best players, Garza and Wieskamp, went over 10 from shooting. You know it's a bad game when Connor McCaffrey leads your team in three-pointers three made with two. Ryan Creener and Connor McCaffrey are leading the team in three-point shooting. Each scored two of them. Hawks went 6 of 27 from the three-point arc in this game. Not, not great numbers. Not great numbers at all. And for Michigan State, looking to the other side of the ball, Cassius Winston, one of the best players in the Big Ten, scored 20 points and nine assists in the game. Watts from Michigan State led the team in scoring with 21, and Henry had 17 points. They shot 50% from the field, 35% from three, and 73% from the foul line. And all of those numbers are better than what the Hawkeyes managed in this game. So, tough one here for Iowa. Move on to the next one, though. A lot of Hawkeye fans, though, going into this game didn't really have high expectations. I mean, not. it's hard to win at the Breslin Center regardless of who you are, but Iowa's not really ever had success in the Breslin Center or just against Michigan State in general. But Iowa, they'll be at home on the 29th of February, so this upcoming Saturday at 11 on Big Ten Network against Penn State. Now, I had an opportunity to go to this game, but you know what? I don't. It changed. My parents decided to bid. So my sister had this thing up in Waterloo it's for her sorority, where it's like the Red Dress Gals. They have different prizes you can win, and you know, money goes to good causes and stuff like that. My parents had the opportunity to bid on this game. Courtside seats are pretty like four rows up or whatever. Go to this game, four tickets, but they decided to bid on things that we can do back at home, like Barnstormer stuff. Iowa Cubs stuff. Man, it's not like I ever worked for the Iowa Cubs. It's not like we haven't had season tickets to the Barnstorm. It's not like Logan's never been to an Iowa Hawkeyes basketball game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. No. Been on the other stuff. Man. And I don't have four friends. I don't have three friends to go with anyway. So I was like, fine. That's cool. That's cool. But yeah, Iowa versus Penn State this Saturday. Should be a fun one. In this game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, Iowa's a 63.9% chance to beat the Penn State Nittany Lions around a two-game losing streak, losing to Illinois and Penn State, one on the road and one at home. So hopefully the Nittany Lions don't bounce back from that game. They play Rutgers tonight at 6 at home. Rutgers has been a tough team this year, but Penn State has a 73.5% chance to beat the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers, according to ESPN's matchup predictor now moving on the others team in the state of Iowa that played last night the Iowa State Cyclones after getting smashed by 20 and then getting smashed by 30 they ended up winning this game as we said the the chances of them losing by 40 is very high because you know they're going up and score 20 point loss 30 point loss let's just throw in a nice little 40 point loss but hey Cyclones got back and won this game now they struggled in the second half they had a really good first half Beat TCU in the first half, 41-25, but then only scored 24 points in the second half to allow TCU to come back. But the lead was too much 
for the Horned Frogs at TCU. In the game for the Cyclones, Solomon Young leads the team in scoring again. 20 points for him. Seven rebounds, three blocks in the game as well. Tyrese Jackson, 18 points in the game. Rasteer Bolton, 11 points. And Prentice Nixon struggled last game, struggled again this game, shooting the ball 1 of 10, 0 of 4 from 3. Two points scored in this game. But he did have seven rebounds and three assists and one steal in there. So very Connor McCaffrey-esque game minus the four turnovers that he had in the game. Matt Jacobson rounding out the starting five had eight points and eight rebounds. So yeah, good win for the Iowa State Cyclones. For TCU, Bain had 22 points and 11 rebounds, leading them in scoring and rebounding in the game. So yeah, Iowa State moves to 12-16 and 16 overall, 5-10 and 10 in Big 12 conference play. Now they are... Sole possession of third to last in the Big 12. So good stuff right there. But yeah, losing to Kansas, Texas Tech. Morale was low, so they needed a good win like this. Got it. Now they're going to want to play Oklahoma State on Saturday at Okie State, who sits 4-11 Big 12 play. They have been pretty decent in recent games. Because they started off with no Big 12 wins. They were on a mean streak of no Big 12 wins. And in their last five games, they won three of their last five games. Two losses that they've had in there to Kansas and West Virginia, both on the road. Beat Kansas State on the road, and Texas Tech, who just beat Iowa State by 30 in Oklahoma. Iowa State, again, lost to Texas Tech 87-57, lost to Kansas, lost to Oklahoma. So two teams that Oklahoma State beat in this five-game stretch, Iowa State's lost to by 29-30. and 30. Oklahoma State beat them, beat Oklahoma 83-66, and Texas Tech... 73-70. to 70. Both teams lost to Kansas in there, so it'll be an interesting one in Stillwater. Oklahoma State, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, has a 71% chance to win this game. So we'll see if that holds up. Oklahoma State, 14-14 and 14 overall, 4-11 and 11 in Big 12 play, second to last in the Big 12. So we'll see how good the Cyclones play, even though they are the underdogs going into Stillwater to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So we'll see how those two games go. Remember, those games will be on Saturday. We'll talk about those more on Friday. We've got a U and I women's game coming up on Friday. They will go. They're on the road. They're taking on Valparaiso. They're on a nice little two-game road stretch right now for the U and I Panthers women's team. Taking on Valpo on Friday, and then Loyola on Sunday before closing out the regular season against Drake on Friday, March sixth. On Senior Night's a gold out. So when you go to that game, make sure you rock your gold U and I gear. Game will tip off at 6.30 from the McLeod Center. And for these next two road games for the Panthers, they'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Each of them, the game on Friday starting at 6, and the game on Sunday against Loyola starting at 1. Women's conference play starts up on March 12th. But we'll talk about that game more in-depthly come Friday because that'll be the, the day of the game. Makes the most sense. But right now we're going to talk about the UNI men's basketball team who has a – they're – I don't. It, every game's a tough game, even though the team you're playing has zero conference wins on the year. Every game's tough. You can't overlook opponents because that's happened a lot in college basketball this year. There's been a lot of weird upsets. We talked about it on Monday. How many upsets there were this past weekend? Don't overlook Evansville. I know that they are sitting there at 0 16 in the conference, dead last in the conference. Can't move above the 10 seed in the conference tournament. They're stuck at the 10 seed. But they have it in them to beat Kentucky. And now they've got everybody back in their starting lineup that beat Kentucky earlier this year. 
So they're going to be motivated. You and I's last home game of the year, first team, first in the conference. You and I, unquestionably the best team in the Missouri Valley Conference. Well, in the in the viewership viewership way, like I'm looking at them, they're the best team in the conference. I know they're only one game above Loyola, but I still think they're the best team in the conference. But Evansville, right now, as I said, 0-16 in conference play. But now they've got everybody back. DeAndre Williams, who's been out for a while for Evansville's last game. So he played he came back from injury on the 20th. So six days ago. Played against Southern Illinois and then Indiana State, scoring eight and seven points in those games, but he's rusty. That was his last game before that was on January 4th against Valpo, where he dropped 28 points. And then he got hurt. So now they're getting everybody back in their starting lineup for Evansville. Todd Licklater's got these these players playing very good basketball. Very good basketball at the moment. They almost beat Indiana State this past week. They're looking more and more confident as the season goes on. Even though they're losing, they're still looking very confident. They got blown up by Southern Illinois, but they took it to Drake. They almost took it to Loyola. Played very well against Bradley, against Southern Illinois the last time they played them before this last game at Southern Illinois. So common knowledge, like, or what do you want to call it? Just... At first glance, you would say UNI is going to blow this team out by 100 points, which they very well might do. They did that to Missouri State twice. They've played them. But we said this against Illinois State that they could win by possibly 30 points in that one too. What happened in that one? Illinois State came out very hot, very confident, and shot the ball very well at the start of the game. You and I was playing off the back foot for the majority of the first half before they kicked it in the gear in the second half and ended up winning the game. Evansville's motivated. This is the last home game for you and I all year. They're playing very, very good. So I'm not going to sit here like I did against Illinois State and said they're going to win by 30. Even though, that being said, there's a very, there might be a very good chance that you and I does blow out Evansville by 30 points. That might be, that might happen. Because you know what? It's college basketball. And even though as unpredictable as it's been this year, sometimes you overthink things, which is what I might be doing right now. (laughs) I do fully expect you and I to win this game, though. The last time these two teams played back on February 1st, you and I won 80-68 in Evansville. Austin Five with the leading score was 16 points. Also had three rebounds. Mr. Double-Double with a low rebounding number in there. Only played 19 minutes in the game. Did get into foul trouble with four fouls. Burhau, who struggled in the last game, scored 15 points. A.J. Green, 15 points for him as well. Struggled as well in the last game at five rebounds and only one assist in the game. Haldeman had nine points. And Isaiah Brown, who's the second leading scorer in their last game against Southern Illinois, only had four points on 0-4, shooting all of his points coming from the foul line. You and I just played very, very well in the first half. The second half, Evansville outscored you and I. 52 to 50. If they didn't score 16 points in the first half, this might have been a lot closer of a game because they played very, very well in the second half of that game. In this game, KJ Riley had 14 points. Sam Cuncliffe had 14, and Evan Coleman had 14 as well. So you had four players scoring 14 points for the Purple Aces. Now in this game, you and I could, because as I said, (laughs) common knowledge or common sense says you and I is going to destroy this team. Because UNI is the best team in the conference. It's at home. They're undefeated at home. 
Evansville's 0-16 in the conference. But I don't want to look past Evansville. This is a kind of a strategy that I'm trying to use where if I say they're going to win by 30, they're going to win by, what, 8, like they did against Illinois State. But if I say they're gonna, it's going to be closer than what we're expecting, they're going to win by 30. So it's a, we're playing mind games. We're playing mind games with the Evansville Purple Aces. So as we're talking about Evansville, let's look back at their last game they played, which was a 64-62 loss to Indiana State, who is one of the who a lot of people are thinking is a sleeper team in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, lost to them by two points in this game. In this game for Evansville, K.J. Rowley had 15 points, was a leading scorer, and Evan Coleman had 11 points. San Cuncliffe led the team in rebounding with seven, but the problem was you had 14 turnovers to eight assists. That's not very good. <laughs> you got to have more assists than turnovers. That's a must if you want to win basketball games. Like 99% of the time, you want to have more assists. Actually, about 100% of the time, you want to have more assists than turnovers. And 90% of the time, you cannot have less assists than turnovers and win a basketball game. This can't happen. About What would you say? About 90% of the I, I think that's a realistic number. If you have less assists than turnovers, there's a way greater chance that you lose that game other than winning, and not win it. But they came close. I'll give them credit. We did think that this would be a game that they would win. Two-point loss. Sad stuff. Now, they do play Illinois State in their last home game of the year, so a lot of people are thinking they're going to get a conference win. So they're not going to go over in the conference this year. Everyone thinks they're going to pick up a win at some point. So we'll see if they do. Hopefully it's not tonight against you and I. So, again, that game is tonight at 7 at the McLeod Center. It's going to be on ESPN Plus if you don't go to the Game Panther Sports Network, ESPN Plus. You can also catch it live on News Talk 1540, KXCL. And you can listen to KXCL on Press Row from 4 to 6 to listen to me, John Leo, and Gary Rima all talk about Iowa sports. If you want to hear me talk a lot less, go to that show. <laughs> but yeah, fun game tonight. I'm excited to go to the game tonight. I will be there. So it'll be fun. It will be a lot of fun. You and I's last regular season game is this Saturday at Drake. Let's close out the regular season. That'll be a very tough game. Drake, atrocious on the road. They are the second worst team on the road record-wise in the entire Missouri Valley. Joint with Indiana State. Very good at home, though. Nap Center's been somewhat of a fortress for Drake this year. So that'll be a very, very, very tough game the end of the season for the UNI Panthers. This Evansville game, again, common sense says blow them out of the water. But I want to sit here and say I don't want – I'm going to say I don't want them to blow them out. I don't think they'll blow them out because I, I – it's reverse psychology. You guys get it. You guys get it. So before we take our next break, let's go over the scoreboard from the Missouri Valley Conference, Big Ten, and Big 12 play. So last night we had some Missouri Valley Conference action between Drake and Loyola. Loyola beat Drake 64-60, to dropping Drake to 8-9 in MVC play. Loyola now 12-5 in conference play. Cameron Crutwig, 17 points, 7 rebounds from the big man from Loyola in the win over Drake. And Valparaiso smacked Missouri State 89-74. Smacked them. Donovan Clay led the team in scoring for Valpo, scoring 22 points. Then we got games tonight as well as we said, obviously, UNI Evansville taking place tonight at the McLeod Center at 7. UNI is a 13.5 point favorite over the Purple Aces. We're 0-16 in conference play. UNI 12-4. and 
All United needs to do, if they win this game, they have locked up the number one seed in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. All you need to do is win one of these last games, and they've locked it up. Now, if they lose both of them, they're going to need some help from Loyola to lose some games, but if they tie Loyola, they get the number one overall seed. It's just, so you and I just cannot, they have to win at least one game, and then it's locked up. We would fully expect it to be tonight. 13 and a half point favorite over Evansville. Bradley is taking on Illinois State. Bradley's a three-point favorite. It's at Illinois State. And Indiana State is taking on Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Very talented team at home this year are the Salukis. So in these games tonight, I'm going to go with Bradley over Illinois State, you and I over Evansville, and Southern Illinois over Indiana State for the Missouri Valley Conference play. You and I locking up the number one seed in Valley Conference play. But I don't want to sleep at Evansville, even though they're 0-16 in conference play. I don't want to sleep on them, but I, I probably will find myself doing that. But I don't want to. Try and talk myself out of it. Try and talk myself out of it. Don't overlook them, you and I. Moving on to Big Ten play. So we had games on Monday. We had Illinois beating Nebraska 71-59 in or at Illinois. Kofi Coburn, 15 points, 10 rebounds in the game for the Fighting Illini. Tuesday night, last night, Michigan State against Iowa again. Luka Garza, 20 points for the Hawkeyes. Cassius Winston, 20 points for the Spartans in the win over the Hawks. Moving on to Wednesday night. Tonight we got Rutgers going to Penn State. Game will tip off at 6 on Big Ten Network. There is no line in this game, at least according to ESPN. And then number 9 Maryland is traveling to Minnesota. 7-9 and nine Minnesota is hosting 12-4 and four Maryland's conference records. 8 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Minnesota is a point favorite over the Maryland Terrapins this tonight. A point favorite, 7-9 Minnesota, 13-3 overall, is a point favorite over 12-4 Maryland with 22-5 overall, the number nine ranked team in the country. For some reason, I just don't see that happening. But I could be wrong. I've been plenty wrong. I've been wrong plenty times before. And then we got games tomorrow night. Wisconsin traveling to Michigan, Indiana traveling to Purdue, Illinois taking on Northwestern, Ohio State taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio State, Nebraska will both be on ESPN2. Indiana, Purdue will be on FS1, and Illinois Northwestern will be on Big Ten Network. And finally, rounding out our Iowa scoreboard, we got Big 12 action. We had Big 12 action taking place on Monday and Tuesday. Starting on Monday, Kansas defeated Oklahoma State 83-58. Texas beat West Virginia 67 to 57. West Virginia been struggling as of late. Saw it on Twitter a little bit ago, like a, about a week ago about how they've not looked very good since they beat Iowa State. They really haven't. Lost by 10 to Texas. Craziness. Going on the last night, Baylor smote Kansas State as expected. We're up 50 to 24 at halftime. Cruise control the entire second half just beat them down 85-66. Oklahoma Beats Texas Tech 65 to 51, dominating fashion. And Iowa State, as we said, beats TCU 65 to 59. So those are your scoreboards from around the state of Iowa. Minor Big Ten action and Missouri Valley Conference action taking place tonight. So make sure you tune into all of that. And right before we take our next break, I saw this on Twitter a little bit ago. William Penn basketball. We haven't talked about them a lot this year, but William Penn basketball is in has moved back into the top five of the NAIA Top 25 National 
rankings. Clark College is also in the top 25, ranking 22nd. But the Penn Statesman, fifth, fifth in the nation for men's basketball. Congratulations to those guys for getting the top 25, or top five, I should say. So, yeah, keep moving on up pretty much. So that's all we got for college basketball side of Logan Blackman show. Talk about baseball, college basketball. Now we'll go on to the NFL. Talk about some quarterback stuff. Talk about some combine stuff. All that coming up right after this break.
Hey, Kevin, thinking about saving for retirement? Yeah, but how do I start? It's easy with Avo, a retirement coach. Let's learn the Avo bet. A is for taking action. Not anxiety? No, Kevin, you're going to be fine. You sick? Barely. V is for variety. Huh, change up my strategy. Okay. O is for optimize your savings. Let Avo lead the way. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Some knowledge belongs to us and us alone. The way our girlfriends walk, talk, touch their hair. Details that only a sister can know about her girls. But what about our other girls? The ones we carry with us every day. Our bond with our sister girls gives life. But knowing your breasts can save it. Go to knowyourgirls.org for the facts you need on breast health. Brought to you by Susan G. Coleman and the Ad Council. Go Panthers. Welcome back, everybody, to this Monday edition and hour two edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I, I'm your host, Logan Blackman, here on the Logan Blackman Show. And we've got some stuff to talk about, but first, I want to get to this fantastic audio clip, if I can find it. It is one of the greatest clips in sports history. Oh, let's play it. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about, but I got I just I'm just gonna play it. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! That is why I said it! At number five! Are you kidding me? That's right! Who do you think you are? I am! Damn it, right! Think you are, I am! Who do you think you are? I am! The best sports moment ever. One of the best sports moments ever. That was, oh my goodness. What a, what a great, great moment in sports. So that famous, famous quote was eight years ago today. Who do you think you are? I am. What a quote. What a legendary moment in bowling history. Not just bowling history. It's sports history. What a great what a great time. Oh, my God. Who who doesn't love that quote? Who do you think you are? I am. Oh, I love that quote. I love, <laughs> I love that video. Love that quote. It's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> I, I, I got to stop talking about it. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep repeating it over and over again. But I love it so much. I love it. It's one of the greatest quotes ever. Most quotable moment in sports. <laughs> in a sport that no one really watches on ESPN. It's <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Let's move on though. Let's move on. So who do these combine people think they are? I'm kidding. They know who they are. They're freaking they're gonna be in the NFL. They're gonna be in the NFL. NFL combine like the the tests and everything on the field start tomorrow. Again, quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers will be taking the field tomorrow. We also got stuff coming up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, everything 
Got all the days for the NFL Combine. It's an exciting time. Who doesn't love the NFL Combine? I love watching the Combine. So Thursday, again, tight ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers. Friday, kickers, special teamers, offensive linemen, and running backs. Saturday, D-linemen and linebackers. And Sunday, we got the defensive backs. It's always interesting to see which like edge rushers go with the D-linemen or if they go with the running backs. Because if they go with the linebackers and they're pretty heavy, it's like, why did you go with the linebackers? Should have just gone with the D-linemen. So it's it's always interesting in that group, who goes where? Who goes where? But everyone, the one everybody watches, like the one that everybody wants to sit down and watch, at least from my experience, is the quarterback one. Everybody wants to watch the quarterbacks throw at the combine because the quarterback is everybody's favorite position to love and favorite position to hate, the quarterback. Nitpick every single little thing quarterback does throughout his time his entire career whether it's high school college pros everybody's always got an opinion on the quarterback so everybody loves to watch the quarterbacks and when they're working out so we can try and predict better on who's going number one who's going to all that stuff but in this case the number one and two prospects in the draft Joe Burrow Chase Young the presumable locks at number one and two are not participating which you could see Kyler Murray didn't do that last year for the quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's not doing it this year. Chase Young and Joe Burrow are going to focus all their attention on the interviews and stuff like that. Don't really feel like they need to show off anything at the the test. They're both they each know they're going number 1 and 2. Like I think it's pretty obvious that Joe Burrow is going number 1 and Chase Young's going number 2. Now to which teams? Don't know. Could have some crazy trades going involved there. That might change the entire landscape of the draft. So yeah, I'm not surprised that they're not doing They don't need to prove anything. You can't go higher than one, and the Bengals aren't going to take Chase Young, you would expect, so he's going to be stuck at number two. Whether he likes it or not, he is more than likely going to be a Washington Redskin, which a lot of people wouldn't like that. But other people would be like, oh, yeah, I'm playing the NFL. So with that being said, let's look at my top five quarterbacks in the draft and then try to nail down Five places where they could go. This is the top five in order of my favorite quarterbacks in the draft. Starting at the top, Joe Burrow. Obviously, number number one place he could go, Cincinnati Bengals. It's the most obvious one. They're looking like he's going to take him. He's an Ohio kid. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people. There's some people that are saying that he should pull an Eli and not go to the Bengals, force a trade, pull an Eli, pull an LA, whatever you want to call it. Not go to the Bengals. I think he's going to go to the Bengals. I think he's going number one. I think he's going to the Bengals. If I had to place money on it, that'd be the easy bet. To bet Joe Burrow suiting up in the orange and black of the Cincinnati Bengals. And Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, is confident that A.J. Green will be back in Cincinnati. Having a young quarterback like Joe Burrow could excite A.J. Green. So then he got an offense with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Jonah Williams is coming back as well. The Bengals' offense, for the amount of jokes that get thrown the Bengals' way, their offense might not be as far out as what we all think. If they can bring back A.J. Green, even if not, and they go out and get Justin Jefferson or something in the second round, get Joe Burrow's teammate, we might be talking about a pretty decent offense this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Defensively, different story. But offense, we might be actually looking pretty good, not going to lie. 
Uh, number two destination, I think this one's also pretty obvious, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, past game coordinator from LSU is now the offense coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. And he has a connection to Carolina. He almost went to North Carolina, which is where this team is located in Charlotte. So he has connections there. Now, it was recently announced that the Panthers are going to keep Cam Newton, which is surprising to me, but I, also not surprising because I couldn't figure out where he was going to go because I didn't think he was going to the Chargers anymore. We had that thought back in the fall, but it's kind of changed a little bit since then because, I don't know, I just feel like the Chargers would go after a drafting quarterback or get a quarterback in free agency instead of having to trade for one. So I couldn't figure out where I thought Newton was going to go. I can't see him playing for the Bears, even though that one gets thrown around quite a bit. I can't, I can't picture it. The Redskins are a one that you could talk about because Ron Rivera is there. That's connection there. Maybe coach up Dwayne Haskins a little bit. But yeah, the Panthers are number two for me for Joe Burrow because he has that connection to Joe Brady back from his LSU days. Now, number three, the Miami Dolphins might be seen as one here as well. Now, there's talks. There, the obvious one is Tua going to the Dolphins. That's obviously. That's the number one most obvious thing that's going to happen. We pretty much have that nailed on. We have the number one and two spots nailed, and we, most of us, we like to think we have the Dolphins pick nailed on too with Tua. So number three might be a surprise with the Dolphins being there, but they have done their research on Joe Burrow. They might want to make a trade and get Joe Burrow, or the Bengals shock everybody and take Tua Tagovailoa because according to Jason Lockenforda, uh, Jason Lockenforda, I can never pronounce his name. I got to look at a picture so I can sound it out. Jason LaConfora. There we go. I've talked to a lot of GMs the week before the LSU-Alabama game. They told me they prefer Tua to Joe Burrow. So, maybe the Bengals and their GM are one of those teams that prefer Tua. So, with that, there's going to be a bidding war for the number two spot. So, the Redskins, that's where the possibility of them not getting Chase Young plays out. So your number two pick, number three pick are going to be number two, three, and four are going to be tradable picks, especially if Joe Burrow doesn't go number one. Everybody's going to be trading for that. Yes, he's got small hands, but that doesn't really matter to me anyways. It just shouldn't matter with a lot of people. But hey, if he doesn't go number one, Dolphins right there. But another team that's been taught to him that has done a lot of research on him Dating back to the fall is our number four team, the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers seem like they really like Joe Burrow, like his demeanor. They have done their fair bit of research on Burrow. So if Tua goes number one to the Dolph- to the to the Bengals, or they shock everybody like my preseason prediction, I said Justin Herbert going to the Bengals. If they go with that, which Justin Herbert was the starting quarterback for the team that was coached by the Cincinnati Bengals staff, so that might be a surprise pick there. The Chargers, like Burrow, could trade up to get him if the Bengals pass on him. So there's an option there. And then the last one, the Oakland Raiders, or the Las Vegas Raiders, I should say. I couldn't think of another team here. Maybe you could throw the Colts in there. We're always going to be looking for a quarterback. But the Raiders, like the Colts, have some picks they could work with. Raiders have two first-round picks. The Colts have a ton of picks they can use to trade up. So maybe the Colts are up there too. So it's kind of like the Raiders slash Colts. I don't think the Raiders will go after a quarterback, but if they do, be hard to pass on Burrow and try and trade up to get him. So there's our number one through five for Burrow. Bengals, Panthers, Dolphins, Chargers, Raiders slash Colts. Probably Colts. Colts are number five. 
Moving on to our second quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, who has received an overwhelming, overwhelming positive reports on his medical. So our number one pick, obviously, this is like the most obvious one next to Burrow and the Bengals, the Dolphins. Everyone expects Tua to go to the Dolphins, number three, number two, number five, wherever they pick, they are expecting Tua Tagovailoa to get called out. Miami Dolphins select Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback Alabama. That's what we're expecting to hear. Now, there are reports that they've done a fair bit of research on Justin Herbert. Smokescreen, I would guess. And that's also if maybe they like Justin Herbert more than Joe Burrow. So that could happen. Or if the Lions don't want to trade back after the Redskins take Young and they take Tua, then you got that with the Dolphins there taking Justin Herbert. But I think it's pretty nailed on to go to the Dolphins. If not, I think the Chargers are the next option there for Tua because whoever they have is their starting quarterback. And it's looking like Tyrod Taylor. They've also been linked very heavily to Teddy Bridgewater. The Chargers could sit him behind one of their quarterbacks and groom him up and make him have him become the starter. Tua, as Jason Lockenfora said, a lot of a lot of GMs prefer Tua to Joe Burrow because of what he's done throughout his entire college career, not just his last year in college. So we'll have to see on that one. Number three, the Bengals. If the Bengals want to shock people, take Justin or, or take Tua Tagovailoa number one overall. Then we have that. And then Joe Burrow goes to Miami. Or Justin Herbert goes to Miami. Or whatever happens. Now, this would be a very weird thing if it would happen. It would throw everybody through a loop if this act... Kind of like when Baker went number one. As we got closer to the draft, it kind of was starting to get the feeling that Baker was going to go number one. But no one believed it until it actually got announced. That's what it would be kind of feeling like with Tua and the Bengals. I don't think he can go to the Bengals. I don't think he will go to the Bengals. I can't picture him playing for the Bengals, but... You never know. Crazier things have happened. Number four, the Detroit Lions. Sitting there at number three, Mel Kuyper in his last mock draft had the Lions taking Tua Tagovailoa at number three overall in his draft. Justin Herbert going to the Miami Dolphins. Joe Burrow going number one to the Bengals. I don't really see it. I think the Lions got a, a lot more pressing needs with their defense being one of the worst in the league when they have a defensive head coach that's pretty bad. And the Dolphins could give them for two first-round picks to help sure up some parts in their defense. Cornerback's a big need. Defensive tackle's a big need. Linebacker's a big need. Now, other needs on your team other than quarterback, but if you want to get the quarterback of the future, Tua might be it. If you want to draft him there, then that's a possibility. And number five for Tua is the Colts. Again, same thing with Joe Burrow. They got a lot of picks to work with, so they are going to be looking to trade up. And I read something a few weeks ago that said they were really interested in Tua. So they could be loading up picks to move up, to shotgun themselves in front of the Miami Dolphins to take Tua, which if the reports of the Dolphins doing extensive research on Justin Herbert proves to be true, then the Dolphins will be fine with that. So you would have Burrow 1 to the Bengals, Tua to the Colts, Dolphins take Herbert, and you'd expect the Chargers to go with uh, Jordan Love, depending on who they sign or don't sign in free agency. So there's my top five for Tua, Dolphins, Chargers, Bengals, Lions, and Colts. Justin Herbert, next one on the list. The L.A. Chargers are number one on this list for me. I think the L.A. Chargers are the most obvious team to take Justin Herbert because I think he's the third best quarterback in this draft, and the Chargers are letting go of Phillip Rivers, not kind of letting go, but letting him walk. So they're without a quarterback. 
Reports are that they are going to stay with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Tom Telesco said that Tyrod is the starter right now. Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, said Tyrod may very well be the starter. So we'll have to wait and see on that. If they get someone like Teddy to go in there and start for the Chargers, you would expect them to stay at six and draft like a lineman or linebacker or something. It's like if you take Jedrick Wills or uh, Isaiah Simmons, if you get a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. But if not, Justin Herbert's your guy. If you keep Tyrod, Justin Herbert's going to be the guy they go after. Number two on this list, the Indianapolis Colts. Again, got a lot of ammo to move up. Uh, the Colts really like Justin Herbert, so moving up there to number two would be an interesting pick there. Or not number two, but number two on the list. And moving up and getting him would be interesting. Number three for Herbert, the Miami Dolphins. Again, done a lot of research on Joe, uh, Justin Herbert, apparently. But I don't think the Dolph. I think the Dolphins are nailed on to get Tua. That's just my gut feeling. But stranger thing, like I said, stranger things have happened in the NFL draft. So to Justin Herbert very may, may very well go to the Miami Dolphins. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Number four, the Carolina Panthers. I think this is a very logical one. Young coach, young offensive coordinator. Cam Newton's there, but how long? How much longer will he be there? Herbert comes in, backs up Cam for a little bit, eventually takes a starting job, leads the Panthers to the promised land, I guess, if you want to call it that. And number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. Just because they were my preseason prediction to get Justin Herbert, they could shock everybody. You got the preseason prediction in there, and you got the fact that he played for the Bengals offensive staff, or played for the Bengals coaching staff while at the Senior Bowl. So, interesting developments there. Maybe we might have an interest. Maybe we might have an insane number one pick with Justin Herbert going one, and then a bidding war for number two. Redskins could get a lot of picks for that, but not screw it up like they did when they traded away or got all the picks for Ricky Williams because they did not do anything with those picks. Anything with those picks. You have to actually be smart this time. With Ron Rivera running it, I could see him being a little bit better if they trade away the number two pick. So, yeah, there's my top five for Herbert. Chargers, Colts, Dolphins, Panthers, and the Bungles. Moving on to our next one, Jordan Love. I think the number one lot most logical is the Colts. Whether they be at number 13, whether they trade up to like 11 or move in the top 10, or they trade back in the first round. Jordan Love gets kind of thrown out all over the place in this draft. No one really knows where he's going to go. I've seen top five. I've seen the last five in the first round, but he's a first-round pick. He's got all the talent in the world, threw 17 interceptions last year, which is a red flag to some, but he handled the questions very well. He's like, if I didn't throw, if I didn't want to talk about throwing 17 interceptions, I wouldn't have thrown them. Love that answer. Great answer. That's like a family feud. Great answer. Great answer. That's one of those things. But apparently he said he would love to play for the Colts, which is doesn't mean a lot because everybody would love to play for everybody. Because you're trying to get drafted. You can't say, nah, I would hate to play for the Colts. You can't really say that. But apparently the Colts really like him. Jordan Love would be a good fit in Indianapolis, I would think. Sit behind whoever they get at the free agency to be their starter. Should be fun there. Has all the talent in the world to be a top 10 pick. We'll see if he actually goes there. Number two, the Chargers. Again, the Chargers apparently love Jordan Love. He gets compared somewhat to Mahomes, has the abilities to do what Mahomes does, to, according to some people. Chargers play in a division with Patrick Mahomes. 
Jordan Love might be not be a ba- might not be a bad pick for the LA Chargers in this draft. I think that'd be a really cool fit to go to LA. Uh, number three, the Las Vegas Raiders are a pick here. Apparently, they love Jordan Love. Jordan Love would love to play for the Raiders. That's what I was just hearing on Twitter this morning that Jordan Love would like to play for John Gruden. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Again, I don't think the Raiders need to draft a quarterback. I think they're fine with Derek Carr. Mike Mayock said he likes Derek Carr. I think they're good with Carr. I don't see them trading him away. But if they do, Jordan Love could be the guy they go after in the draft. They have two first-round picks. So they can get him either at the first pick or the next pick. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Number four, the New Orleans Saints are have been constantly getting linked to Jordan Love ever since the, the, his season ended this year. Drew Brees getting older. Teddy Bridgewater's pretty much gone. See how much they really like Taysom Hill if they draft a quarterback. See how that one goes. And the last one, the Packers. The Green Bay Packers, when they had Brett Favre, they drafted Aaron Rodgers like, what was the pick? 25th, I think was the pick. So they have a history of drafting quarterbacks for the future. Whether they're ready to play or not, or whether they're starting quarterbacks ready to leave or not, they will have them there just so they have them ready. The Packers have never had a capable backup for Aaron Rodgers, other than Matt Flynn. But even he wasn't even that good. For three years or so, however many long, how much longer do you think Aaron Rodgers has, Jordan Love can wait. Aaron Rodgers waited three years behind Brett Favre before he played. Now he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Waiting was good for Aaron Rodgers. Whether he hated it at the time or not, it turned out to be very good and very beneficial for him. Same thing could be said for Jordan Love. Threw 17 interceptions last year. Go to a quarterback that barely throws interceptions. He's thrown less interceptions his entire career the Jameis Winston has like the past two seasons or something crazy like that. I saw it on Instagram like a, a month or two ago. I can't remember the exact numbers, but yeah, that's my top five for Jordan Love. Colts, Chargers, Raiders, Saints, and Packers for Jordan Love. We're most likely to get him in our last one. Jacob Eason. This one's interesting because he could be a first-round pick, but he also could be a second-round pick. We'll see at the combine. There has been a, an anonymous GM that says he could throw effing dimes. He's got a cannon for an arm. Everybody knows that. He's got the size. Does he have the mobility for today's NFL? We will wait and see on the combine results. But my number one team for him is the New England Patriots. Late first-round pick is about where he has been projected for most people. You would see late first-round pick or early second-round pick is what I've seen thrown around for Eason, which is kind of crazy because Eason – Lost the job to just to Jake Fromm at Georgia after Fromm base, went to the national championship in his true freshman season. So it wasn't really anything he could do. He just, a guy led his team to a national championship game. Like Drew Bledsoe and the Patriots. Lost his job because the dude led, Tom Brady led the Patriots to the Super Bowl. I think he'd be a good fit in New England. Another one, the Pittsburgh Steelers are one that I can see the best out of all of them. But I think the Patriots would be one because they, unless Jarrett Stidham's the guy, don't really have a guy behind Brady. Unless they really feel Stidham's the guy and they want to sure up other positions, Easton would be a good one there. But the Steelers, no one knows how much longer Big Ben has. Apparently he started throwing again. Apparently he's going to look better than what he did before he got hurt. But they don't have a future plan. Doug Hodges and Mace Rudolph stink. Both of them are not very good. 
So the Steelers, who don't have a lot of picks, aren't going to be able to trade up, you would imagine. So you'd have to hope he falls to the second round so you could trade up in a second round. Because if you trade back into the first round, it's going to cost you a lot of picks. A lot of picks that the Steelers don't have. So you'd have to hope that he stays in this, stays out of the first round for that. But the Steelers, I think, would be a solid fit there. Very similar skill set to Big Ben in regards to size and arm strength. Uh, number three, the Indianapolis Colts are another one. They got a lot of picks. So if they take a position of need, like a, a secondary wide receiver, defensive tackle, whatever, in the first pick, which is the 13th pick, trade back into the first round with, say, New England, who doesn't usually use first-round picks, you could get Jacob Eason. If Love, Herbert, Tua, Burrow are all gone, trade back into the first round, get Eason, you're good to go. So let's say the, the Bengals, Dolphins, Chargers, and Panthers all draft quarterbacks. Then you're done because those are the top four. We assume the top four of Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and Love are all gone. Easton's your next best bet. Sit him behind Rivers or whoever you get. Cannon arm. Be a fun one for Indy. Uh, number four, the Green Bay Packers. Again, same thing with Jordan Love. Late first round pick. Have him sit behind Rodgers. You're good to go. Thumbs up. And then the last one, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, or Las Vegas Raiders. I keep calling them Oakland Raiders. This sounds weird, Las Vegas Raiders. This just seems like something they would do. I could see him playing in the silver and black of the Raiders. I could really – I could envision it. Strong arm quarterback playing in Vegas. I could see it. It'd be fun. Like, gunslingers in the Old West, the desert. That'd be Jacob Eason. I can see the ads now. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But those are my top five for Eason, Patriots, Steelers, Colts, Packers, and Raiders. So yeah, for all of those guys, their top picks, at least for me right now, Joe Burrow would be the Bengals, Tua would be the Dolphins, Herbert Chargers, Jordan Love, Colts, and Jacob Eason, Patriots. Those are my predictions right now for those quarterbacks. And we're going to take a quick break right now on the Logan Blackman Show, but we'll come back talk about some NFL free agent quarterbacks and give our top five or whatever number of teams we think these guys will go to. Because it's harder to predict the free agent to give five teams. It's easier to do that with young guys and rookies. But free agent quarterbacks, it's kind of harder to do that, but not too bad. So we'll see how we did there. Coming back right after this. the 
shove the other in a bag with the rerun shows and the cocaine nose job. The daytime crap of the folk singer slob. He hung himself with a guitar string, a slab of turkey neck, and it's hanging from a pigeon wing. But get right if you can't relate. Trade the cash for the beat, for the body, for the hate. And my time is a piece of wax falling on a termite. It's choking on the splinters. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. <laughs> Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I'd build secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I'd do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. If variety is the spice of life, we must be the best tasting radio station in the Cedar Valley. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Yo, man, it's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, but scared to kick reality. Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome back, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, where we love to express yourself. Yeah. What a what a banger. What a banger that song is. But yeah, we are here. We got about 19 minutes left in today's program. Reminder, if you missed it live, 
or if you're doing it right now, you can listen to the Logan Blackman Show podcast on SoundCloud or at Spotify. Spotify. I'm so used to saying SoundCloud. It's on Spotify now. So go follow the Spotify account. Go listen to the shows. They'll be posted shortly after every single show is live. So make sure you go and do that. Give a give a nice little follow. And yeah, I will greatly appreciate and listen to the podcast. Don't just follow it, listen to it along as well. But enough about that. We got to go right back into what we were talking about, quarterback destinations. Now we got to go over the free agent market. We went over all the rookies, or top five rookies for that. We're going to look at the bigger names in the quarterback destination route in free agency. Now we're doing all of them because not every one of them has five top five destinations. Each, some, most of them have like one or two, but some of them do have five. We're starting off with this one. And it's Teddy Bridgewater, probably the most sought-after free agent in this market, I would say. Talk about age, the potential to be better, all that stuff. He's probably number one on this list. Historically, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, all of those guys are probably number one. Drew Brees, but we didn't count him on this because we already know where he's going to go. But Teddy, number one on this list because he's not going back. To, we, I cannot see him going back to the Saints. I, I really can't. He's going to get a lot of money to be a starter somewhere, so why go back to the Saints and be a backup to Breeze for another year or however long he's got left? Now, if Breeze was gone, if he was retiring, he'd stay with the Saints, I would guess. But you know what? That's not what happened. So right now, number one team for Teddy Bridgewater, at least one that I've been seeing a lot of at least for the past couple of days, is the L.A. Chargers. Chargers have been heavily linked to him. They're always attached to him, according to some reports, about getting Teddy Bridgewater. I think he'd be a very good quarterback to get for the Chargers. He is a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. So if you want to win now, which the roster they have is fully capable of doing so, they just need to stay healthy and not lose stupid games in stupid ways. So the Chargers, so just go in your brain real quick. Just close your eyes, put your pointer fingers to both your temples, and just imagine. So Teddy Bridgewater, under center for the L.A. Chargers, you got Pouncey back at center. You've drafted. So a lot of people are saying go after Jack Conklin, so get him at right tackle. Then you draft Isaiah Simmons. So you have linebacker play now, consistent linebacker play. And then you go after a, like a free agent corner or something like that. Or, or a defensive tackle. Or draft Jedrick Wills with your sixth pick and sure up that right side of the O-line. Because I know the Giants really like Isaiah Simmons, and they also like Jedrick Wills. So whoever the Giants don't get, just go after that guy. But yeah, Teddy Bridgewater would be a very good pickup for the Chargers. Also, number two team, the Indianapolis Colts, would be a solid pickup there as well. Because there's been some talks that they just want a guy to push Jacoby Brissett. But if they signed Bridgewater, he would just win the job straight up. Because Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. He's just been sitting in New Orleans for the past two, three years. So I think he'd be a very good get for the Indianapolis Colts. Number three is the Bears. If the Bears want to – logic to me says the Bears get Andy Dalton to push Trubisky, kind of like what Daniel did to Mariota. That's what I'm feeling in all of this, is that that will happen. But we have to explore. We have to entertain all possibilities. So Teddy Bridgewater to the Bears, going back to the NFC North, playing for the Bears would be a very good get for the Bears because the Bears just need – average quarterback play to be good because their defense is good enough to do good things for this team they just need a guy to not turn the ball over make stupid decisions and actually move the ball downfield 
That's what Teddy would offer to the Chicago Bears. They also need to be smarter with play calling, but that's another thing. But yeah, Bear, going back to the NFC North could be a very big possibility for Teddy this offseason. Number four is the New England Patriots. If they don't bring back Tom Brady, which I still think they will, Bridgewater to the Patriots would be a very good pickup. I think that'd be a very solid pickup for the New England Patriots. I think he'd be a good quarterback for the New England Patriots. He's a good. He can win in the NFL. He did it with the Vikings before he got hurt. He can win. He did it this year when everyone said just tank the season. They went undefeated with him as a starter. Teddy Bridgewater can win in the NFL. He can win for the Patriots. Now, to a lot of people, this would make the Patriots a whole lot less unlikable because Teddy Bridgewater is a very likable person. So the Patriots are one on here. The Saints are number five just because it's where he is right now. He has expressed his feelings of wanting to play for the Saints and continuing playing in this offense that they're in. So he'd be there as well. Now, here's my top five again. Chargers, Colts, Bears, Pats, and Saints. I did think that he would go to the Panthers, but they have just announced that they're going to keep Cam Newton as their starter. So that is out the window. I think that was a very good fit. Joe Brady worked in New Orleans. Very similar style of offense there. Got a good pass catching back out of the backfield. So I thought that would be a very realistic option for him. But now that Cam's back, Teddy's not going there. Moving on to the next one, keeping it in the a- the NFC South, got Jameis Winston. Now, I on- I honestly think he'll go back to the Bucks. I think he'll stay in Tampa, franchise tag him, stay in Tampa. So that's number one. I don't need to explain that one that much. Other ones on here, you got the Bears that are a pick. Bears looking for a quarterback, but if you want – you're already frustrated with their quarterback situation. A lot of Bears are very frustrated with their quarterback situation, rightfully so. Trubisky had a very down year last year, to say the least. But he'd be a lot frustrated with Jameis Winston throwing 30 picks in a season. Even the great defenses can't come back from that sometimes. So Bears would be a pickup there, but I don't really think that would – it could happen. Very much could happen, but I don't – I'm just looking at other options here, okay? The Buccaneers, I don't think he's leaving the Bucs. So if I'm looking at all the other options, the Bears are the next one that I think could actually happen. Uh, Moving on to the next one, the Steelers are one. Sit behind Ben, very big quarterback like Big Ben. Sit behind Ben. Once Ben retires, Jameis goes in the starting quarterback. I got some Steelers friends. They They might not like that pick, but you know what? Could happen. You never know. And number four, the Raiders. If they trade away Derek Carr to the say the Bears, Raiders could be an option there. I don't know. I'm struggling to find reasons for any other team other than the Bucks. I don't know because I'm trying to find teams he could start for. And there's not a lot of teams that I can really honestly go, yes, I think James would start there. And it's harder to go like, yes, he'll be the backup here, at least for me. So it's just hard. I just can only really see James Winston playing for the Buccaneers, at least for next season, whether that be in the future or not. I don't know, but at least for this next season, that's what I'm thinking. Number five, the Patriots, because you know what? I ran out of options. I didn't I didn't really care about that one anymore. So Buccaneers for Jameis. <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm saying about this. I cannot see him anywhere else. It's he's kind of like Cam Newton now, where I I originally thought Cam was going to the Chargers. And then that idea left my brain. And then I couldn't see him anywhere else other than the Chargers. It's like the Bucks. And Jameis, I cannot see him playing anywhere else, but he very well might. Because you never know. The NFL is a weird place. Sticking with that draft class, Marcus Mariota, who is one of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time. 
And if you grew up watching that Oregon team, he was one of your favorite college quarterbacks of all time as well. I loved Marcus Mariota in college. It just hasn't worked out for him in the NFL. It's been every single year is, if can this coach develop Mariota? He's in year five. You're done developing quarterbacks at that point. What he is is what he is. And what he is is not a starter in the NFL anymore. Sadly, because I love the dude. He's a very good person, but he's not a starter in the NFL anymore. So my number one team for him is the Las Vegas Raiders. This would be a backup job. All of these jobs that are on this list would most more than likely be a backup job. So the Raiders would be number one. Him and John Gruden have a very good relationship. John has expressed um, admiration for Marcus Mariota in the past. I think he could work out very well in there, back up Derek Carr for a little bit, or for a little bit, for a while, bit. I think that'd be a good fit there, Mariota and the Raiders. Number two, the Bears challenge Trubisky as a starting job. Very similar skill set to Trubisky, a lot more athletic than Trubisky, but their skills are very similar. Both drafted number two overall. Both can run, both limited throwers, at least in the pros. Mariota could lace the football in, the, in college. But I could see him going to the Bears and pushing Trubisky. So they want a guy to push him, that would be a good one right there. Number three, the Panthers. Kind of a similar skill set to Cam, very mobile quarterback. I think it'd be a good fit there in Carolina. Now, this one is a, but just a national one. I have not agreed with this. But based off what the nation is saying, and they have a lot more resources and sources than I do, the Patriots. I cannot see this happening at all. But I have to put it on the list because the, na- the national media is talking about Mariota to the Patriots. I can't see it. So with that being said, I'm going to substitute the Patriots with the Indianapolis Colts because Jim Irsay went out and said they were, all options are on the table for quarterback in every position and for their team. Jacoby Brissett had a really bad second half of the season. Started off really hot and then cooled down exponentially as the season went on. So the Colts get Mariota and push Bridgewater. Now with uh with Mariota, he'd either be a backup or someone to come in to push the starter. That's pretty much what his career is going to take on for the rest of his career. You would imagine. So that's what I'm doing with the Colts right now. Or he'd just be a backup. Whatever. If they get rid of Brissett, Mariota comes in, bridge quarterback, get their rookie in there, probably get hurt, new guy comes in. And number five, the Chargers. The Chargers were linked to him when he first got drafted, so it's going to get talked about again. They have a uh, – they like him. They like Marcus Mariota. They almost traded up to get him when he got drafted. They were talking about trading Phillip Rivers to Tennessee, reuniting him with Ken Wisenhunt. And then drafting Mariota number two. That was what it looked like. Was It looked like it was actually going to happen for a little bit. Obviously, did not as Mariota played with the Titans. So maybe there is a little thing to come in with the Chargers for Marcus Mariota. So here's my top five for Mariota again. Raiders, Bears, Panthers, Colts, and Chargers. My top five for Marcus Mariota. Now we're moving on to the... The ones where I'm pretty much got it nailed down where they're going to go. It's either one or two places. We'll start off with the biggest name, Tom Brady. It's either the Patriots or Raiders. That's what I think. I think it's either the Patriots or Raiders. Titans are getting thrown around a little bit, but I think it's between the Patriots and Raiders. And I think, ultimately, he'll stay with the New England Patriots. That's just what my gut feeling is. Tom Brady stays with the New England Patriots. Phillip Rivers, Indianapolis Colts, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
the two best options for Phillip Rivers. Now, this is kind of like Tom Brady with the Raiders and Phillip Rivers with the Bucks. Is Tom Brady in Phil are Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers better options for the Raiders and Bucks than Derek Carr and Jameis Winston? For right now. Because if you compare them, in both cases, Derek Carr had a better season than Brady. Jameis had a better season than Rivers. Now, for Rivers and Jameis, it's easier to compare those two. Actually, they're both pretty easy to compare. De- Phillip Rivers and Jameis Winston, fourth and first in passing yards. Tom Brady and Derek Carr, seventh and eighth. Derek Carr is three less passing yards than Tom Brady. Very similar stuff. They're both extremely comparable. Rivers, 23 touchdowns, 20 picks. Jameis, 33 touchdowns, 30 picks. Who's the better option here? You could say the same thing about Brady and Carr. So who's the better option there? Because some people, like Max Kellerman on ESPN, don't think Rivers is a starter in the NFL in any situation. And a lot of Bucks fans on Twitter, when you search Philip Rivers Buccaneers or Jameis Winston, are asking, is Jameis Win- or is Philip Rivers a better option than Jameis Winston? So that's what we got to think about. So that's why mostly I'm thinking Brady goes back to the Pats and Rivers goes to the Colts. First, Another thing with Rivers, I think the Colts are his best option. Good offensive line, good running game, solid number one wide receiver. Or good number one wide receiver. I love T.Y. Hilton. So I think that'd be a great fit for Rivers. I think it's a better fit than the Bucks, but the Bucks have better wide receivers with Godwin and Mike Evans and O.J. Howard, whether they keep O.J. Howard or not. But the running game is non-existent. But I think so. Ultimately, I think Rivers goes to the Colts. And now, the ones where I pretty much got it exactly how I think it's going to happen: Prescott, Dak Prescott goes back to the Cowboys. Tannehill goes back to the Titans. Taysom Hill goes back to the Saints. And Case Keenum goes back to not the Redskins, but the Minnesota Vikings to back up Kirk Cousins. Fan favorite. Everyone in Minnesota and Vikings fans in general love themselves from Case Keenum. He's not a starter in the league though. He had that one amazing year where they went to the NFC Championship game where everything clicked. For the Vikings. But now he's the backup. So Case Keenum back to the Vikings. But I think the other one, I think that's all pretty, I think that all will happen. I think, so here's my number ones for all of those people. Bridgewater, Chargers, Jameis Bucks, Mariota Raiders, Brady Patriots, Rivers Colts, Dak Cowboys, Tannehill Titans, Taysom Hill Saints, Case Keenum Vikings. That's what I'm thinking right now for those free agent quarterbacks. And now for trades, uh, we're just going to run through this one quick. Andy Dalton, I think he's going to the Bears. Derek Carr, I think he stays with the Raiders, but they're going to be talking about trades, or he goes to the Bears. I think there's two options there, but I think ultimately stays with the Raiders. Brissett either stays in the Colts, or we see a reunion with the New England Patriots. Got traded from New England to Indianapolis to back up Derek Carr for Philip Dorsett. Goes back to New England, sits behind Brady, starts in New England again, and then we're back to normal. But he could also stay with the Colts there. And Josh Rosen, uh, I think he'd go to the Patriots. I also think he'd go to the Chargers or also stay with the Dolphins. So we'll have to wait and see what Josh Rosen does. So there's going to be a lot of things that come around. Apparently the Dolphins think they can, they're can they going to keep him. Obviously they're not. I think Rosen knows that. He dealt with this whole situation last year. You're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round and keep Fitzpatrick, and keep Rosen. This is not going to happen. Rosen's gone. I think the Patriots are a very logical pick there because if they keep Brady, Rosen sits behind Brady, and then Rosen takes off as the starting quarterback for the Patriots. 
He's got talent to play in the NFL. He has just been absolutely screwed the entire time he's played in the league, playing for the two worst teams, in those two of the worst teams in the NFL. The way the offensive line was completely dismantled at the start of the year, trading away Tunsil, losing Jawan James, trading away Kenny Stills, everything was pretty much gone. No running game, trading away Kenyon Drake, starting running back and suspended. Everything was not looking up for Rosen. So I think if he just gets a situation that he can trust everybody involved, I think he could be a really good quarterback in this league. I think the Patriots would be a perfect spot for Josh Rosen. And a lot of people don't like Josh Rosen. So a not likable dude goes to a not likable organization. So we got that. So that's always positive, <laughs> I guess you could say. And that's all we got for the NFL portion of the Logan Blackman show. Now, I want to touch on this a little bit, and this one hurts my heart. I don't know if I can emotionally handle this. I read online yesterday, Terrence Crawford versus Manny Pacquiao boxing match is working on becoming a thing in June or July. Now, for those of you who don't know me, those are my two favorite fighters of all time. (laughs) I don't know if I can emotionally handle that. Terrence Crawford versus Manny Pacquiao. Crawford has said Manny Pacquiao has been running for him, from him for his entire career. I could not handle that. My friend Spencer texted me last night. He's like, who would you go for? I said, I don't know. I wouldn't go for anybody. I'd just sit there quietly and be nervous the entire time. I could not handle Pacquiao versus Terrence Crawford. I could not handle that at all. That would be absolutely miserable. My two favorite fighters of all time are going to box each other, or at least looking like they're going to box each other. Sad times. Sad times. I don't know if I can emotionally handle that. But if it happens, it'll be an awesome fight to watch because those two are two of the most entertaining boxers of all time. I love watching those two box. That's why they're my favorites. Pacquiao is my childhood. Crawford's my future. (laughs) I guess you could call it that. But that'd be a lot of fun to actually watch that from a neutral point of view. But for me, that would stink. I would be absolutely horrified the entire time and near tears for 99% of the fight but we don't even know if that will happen yet but it looks like it is scheduled for being in June or July so we will we will see we will see so with that being said that's all we've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Black and show make sure you tune into the United Panthers game tonight against Evansville the game tips off at 7 We'll be on ESPN Plus if you don't go to the game tonight in the McLeod Center. So tune in that or listen live on News Talk 1540 KXEL. So you got all of that stuff to listen to that. You and I women's game on Friday. Tune into that one as well. Be on the road against Valparaiso and against Loyola on Sunday. So make sure you tune into all of those things. And stay tuned for more Logan Blackman shows. We'll be back on Friday from 12 to 2. I'm your host, Logan Blackman. Make sure you're listening to the Spotify account. Go follow it. Go listen to all the shows that are on there. And I will see you guys on Friday. Peace.